The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And welcome to Arrowhead Pride Radio, brought to you by the Kansas Lottery, Jay Binkley with the editor-in-chief of Arrowhead Pride, basically Mr. Everything Arrowhead Pride, Pete Sweeney. What's up, Pete? Jay, what's going on? How are there only three games of the season left? You know what? I don't know, man. It just seems like we were talking about the Texans game, didn't it? It it does. It flies by as soon as training camp seemingly starts. You you blink, it's Christmas, and then all of a sudden you're within reach of of the playoffs, and here we go. You know, I've likened it to this, Pete. Uh, I've likened it to hibernation of a bear. Because when the Super Bowl ended and the parade ended, then all of a sudden, everything was shut down. We couldn't do anything. Right. And then no OTAs, no mini camps to cover. We did cover the draft and all that. But the training camp was definitely different. We weren't out there. Everybody's on Zoom or whatever. It didn't, it didn't seem like training camp. No preseason. Then we had the regular season. But didn't it seem like the season stopped? Life stopped after the Super Bowl. And then, boom, it's opening. This is like the quickest yeah. summer. This has been the quickest offseason in summer before football I have ever seen. I find it to be a little bit of a bummer in Kansas City. When you win the Super Bowl, you're supposed to have it for like the whole offseason where you could talk about it with your friends. What did you guys do for the Super Bowl? You can talk about the parade. You know, you could go out and, and take in the draft together. By the time the draft was going on, everything was already virtual. So it was a really quick celebration. I'm happy that Chiefs fans were able to get the parade in and and have that but it really i feel like was taken away from them a little bit and i remember something travis kelsey said earlier in the offseason there was motivation for them to do it again in order to actually be able to enjoy it for real but the way the time and the trajectory works and the vaccine is just starting now, they might have to win it three times in a row jay to really have a true celebration well it's a little bit surreal because i didn't feel like that celebration really took place like it would have. Right, exactly. Like, like in St. Joe. I think that the, the place, we, it's always busy. Would have been rocking. Like they would have been rocking yeah. the signs, Super Bowl champions. People have been pushing each other over, trying to get autographs of the position groups. Uh, the preseason people would have gone out in full stadiums at Arrowhead. I do feel like this whole thing kind of shorted us Chiefs fans. Exactly. I think it was Vic Fangio talking about this and how you could look at it as an advantage for the Chiefs repeating because – they didn't have, quote, the banquet circuit right. all summer. They didn't have, 
you know, guys going on the um, just going around different awards and banquets and everything else when you're a Super Bowl champion. You don't do those things in this type of year. I mean, they just weren't there, and they thought, well, maybe the focus back on football. You think about repeating, think about the players that came back, the coaching staff came back in its entirety. But I think there might be a little too of that. Uh, you can't celebrate out in Vegas with your teammates <laughs> well, and stuff did, like that. They apparently did that at least a little bit. But yeah, I know exactly what you A little you bit, but not it, a lot of it. It wasn't that Alex Ovechkin, Washington Capitals, oh year-long tour of just getting drunk every weekend. I, I know exactly what you mean. What was funny is the Chiefs ended up returning so many of the contributors and starters to this team, and you would ask Brett Veach and the personnel department about it, and they said that was part of the plan anyway. I mean, it, it ended up just working out that way where I think it was a double advantage because not only year-to-year year did you return the same crew, but without... OTAs and installs in the offseason and getting that advantage, especially for new guys. You know, the teams that were having some new faces and certainly more than the Chiefs were at a disadvantage. That was a, a talking point. And so it was a happy accident that it worked out that way for the Chiefs. And they were able to come up with creative deals to have a lot of the people that they wanted return and Sammy Watkins and Travis Kelsey, Chris Jones. You know, remember at the beginning of the offseason, we weren't sure how the Chris Jones thing would go. That was kind of a, a surprise. Or Watkins, was it going to come back or not? I mean, it was. They were able to get it all done. And it's been this thing I, I think they've been selling to the players like, you know, we're, we're selling to you. Yeah, you're maybe not necessarily going to get a signing bonus. You're not going to get this or that. But this is a chance, a real chance to be part of history. It's so rare to have a chance in sports not only to win one championship, but to potentially be part of a dynasty. And the Chiefs have that on, on their side when they try to come up with these creative deals. Yeah, last week well, I said that Andy Reid's won 11 games with the Chiefs for six times. Yeah. Uh, he's won at least 12 games 50% of the time he's been the coach of the Kansas City Chiefs, which is insane. Speaking of Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs, quick injury report from Andy Reid today. Um, really, today... Uh, Fish had a tight back, so he didn't practice. Uh, Rimmers, likewise, had a tight back. He didn't practice. Um, and then Damian Wilson uh, with a knee contusion, he didn't practice. So, so there you go. <laughs> Not good. Damian Not Wilson, good. the back issues, those are the ones that concern me the most. Tight back uh, with Fisher. They, they can ill afford to, move, to lose a tackle. Guard, I think they're in a lot better space or because of you know right. throwing guys like Wisniewski in there, which I think he'll be in there eventually but uh this tackle situation not good for the chiefs so far yeah roster wise right now with Mar marcus kemp being waived and he ended up clearing waivers not been added to the practice squad as of this show right now but the chiefs have two open spots on their roster you think deandre baker's in that mix but now with all the offensive line problems potentially that could be wisniewski as well a byron pringle return to the practice field the note about Fisher is a little bit random and a bit of a surprise. I mean, we had a feeling that Remmers might be a little bit banged up. He did leave the game against the Dolphins with the back injury, and Sear Durant went in at right tackle. But now you're facing a situation, and this is something we can talk to Kent Swanson about in, in a couple moments here in 10 minutes or so. But you might not have your tackle. So which direction do the Chiefs go in? Our own John Dixon has a rundown right now at OurHeadPride.com. But there's a number of directions the Chiefs could go in with sliding Rankin out to tackle. I know Andrew Wiley's a potential tackle. We had Andy Reid on Monday, and I did ask about Duran, and he actually mentioned that he plays guard as well. So 
you know, is Allegretti your your left guard and, and maybe Wiley kicks out, Durant slides in there, or maybe it's time for Wisniewski to come up. Do the Chiefs make a change with Kilgore filling in for Ryder? I just think there's a lot of different ways the offensive line could go this weekend. It's important they get it right now, though, because no matter what it is, I think you're going to want to have these three games for them to get used to each other ahead of the playoffs. I'll tell you they're really missing is Colicchio Simile. And I've been saying this. He had that nastiness. You want that one that's, yard? That's the, the combo blocking KO right there. That's the prototypical Jay Binkley football player right there. Hey, Trez and I were talking assembly. about it. It was like, hey, man, because Wisniewski's yeah. the, our next best hope. He's the guy that can be that road grader. Combo block. It's seriously, though, follow KO. I think that's been a big loss. I do. In short yarded situations, not having KO there to combo the defensive line. He's nasty enough to put you on the ground and get you that yard. And I think... In that, though, Allegretti is a, a relatively nice surprise. I don't think anyone expects oh, some toughness him to be as solid as he's been. Granted, I, it's not Osemele, right? But at least you have someone there you could put in you feel all right about. I, it's a problem right now because, you know, your offensive line breaks down and then all of a sudden Pat's rushed a little bit. I mean, I have full confidence in Andy Reid and Pat to figure this out if they just need to get the ball out of his hands quicker. But even Tyree Kill, the cheetah, the human cheetah, he, uh, he needs some time to get down the field occasionally on some of these plays. So it will be interesting to see how, how the Chiefs go about this. They could also afford to run the football a little bit better. Oh, and speaking of that, a uh, reporter asked Sean Payton today, uh, if Tyreek Hill can spread the defense. And he said, that's the question of the week. Yes, Tyreek <laughs> Hill can get down the field. And then he, then he was done. Then he was done on that. The Dolphins game, Pete, the four turnovers yes. that we saw, all of them in Miami's territory. And we saw the NFL's largest sack in 30 yards against Mahomes in this game. This was the second best scoring defense in the league. And I'll say this, Pat Mahomes has thrown three interceptions twice in his career. They are averaging 42 points a game in those two losses that he had. I legitimately thought they could have made a run at 60 points against the uh, second-best defense scoring-wise in the NFL because I felt on each one of those drives, yeah. they had the mojo. They were going to be in the end zone. Yeah, I, there is some concern right now about the the drives petering out, but I, I, I caution fans because I, I just think it's so tough to be completely perfect in the NFL each and every week. I mean, we certainly would like to be a little bit closer there as we get closer to the NFL playoffs, but you you are concerned, I think, in, in that sense of can we get four quarters where the offense feels really good? That's something Mahomes kind of discussed uh, today, and so I, I think they're seeking that, and now I think they have a few games starting with the Saints who are a real true measuring stick to figuring that out. Well, nice segue. Right into a Pete's question. <laughs> Let's go next to Pete Sweeney. Go ahead, Pete. Hey, Patrick. Andy said on Monday that he feels like you guys are really close to being where you want to be to roll into the playoffs. And I was curious what you think maybe you could tune up or the offense could tune up in these final three weeks before you guys go on to the push to repeat. I think it's just about being consistent uh, for a full, a full four quarters. Uh, we've had spans in every single game where we've been able to do what we want and put points on the board and execute the offense at a high level. But it seems like there's there's one span or there's one little area that we don't execute on uh, every single game. And so just trying to be consistent as, as, as we possibly can. Uh, and, we'll, and what better test than going up against a, one of the best defenses in the league uh, in the New Orleans Saints and being able to go out there and, and put up uh, what what we, we're going to see when we get to the playoffs and then and maybe in the Super Bowl. 
Let's go next to Nate Taylor. Go ahead, Nate. Do you like how I'm keeping the? Uh, that wasn't supposed to be in there, but uh, <laughs> do you like? Do you like how I'm keeping? The, let's go next to Pete Sweeney, and I've added on a few of them. Brad G. Yeah, throwing throwing to all the reporters. Brad's done a nice job. I mean, <laughs> you don't talk about the PR staff a lot, but dealing with all of us on the Zoom and navigating that, and trying to get everyone their question every once in a while. So he has. But yeah, you heard me. I I'm just curious as to you know what they're chasing there, and Mahomes right there as you as you guys heard is chasing that consistency for the offense. And I did think it was impressive how he failed early in the game with the two picks and the three possessions, which were bad decisions. I don't really necessarily blame him for that last pick. And then was still able to have a productive day. I thought that was a a good sign. And I also think that perhaps we're not used to the Dolphins being a solid team, but they got a good program going now. And I think in... The future here in the next couple of years, we're going to start to see the Dolphins again, where they're going to maybe be this up and coming team. I know you and Therese talked about Tua and what you've liked from him. I think the Chiefs might see the Dolphins again as soon as this playoffs. And I don't know if that's necessarily a team you want to see again. Well, and the one thing about it is it's very New England Patriot-ish. Uh, Brian Flores was the defensive coordinator for New England yeah. when they beat the Chiefs AFC title game. And it was predicated on taking the football over, playing good secondary football. It's a, it's very reminiscent of that, doing that before the quarterback. All right, let's look at the Saints. That's the big game this yeah, weekend. Yeah. Drew Brees, they just put a deal out on Sports Illustrated. We all know this. He's designated to return from IR. Could have last week. Um, he's cleared the practice. Will we see him or not? I don't know. I'll tell you this. Taysom Hill was one of the people speaking to the media today, which shows you kind of what happens in those situations. Yeah, you never know. I, I think sometimes the Saints, in similar fashion to the Chiefs and Reed, will occasionally keep things especially close to the best. Just because the players return to practice doesn't necessarily yeah. mean anything, though, because now there's a 21-day window. So. It's gamesmanship. Just like last week, Fitzpatrick's a righty, two is the lefty. Let him think about it. And you, you essentially have to prepare for two different game plans. They're completely different quarterbacks. Exactly. Rich Gannon was talking about that today on the drive. I mean, they are two different styles of play. Here's your question to Andy Reid about uh, Taysom Hill. Hey, Coach, I know you're focused on the offensive side of the football this week, but I was curious for your thoughts being really considered a quarterback guy in this league about Taysom Hill and, and some of the things he can do on the other side there. Well, as I mean, he's a BYU guy. I think that's probably all you need to say. I mean, he's, <laughs> so he's dirty uh, Dan. He's he's a good player, strong, a good runner, good thrower. Um, you know, he represents well. But you know, unfortunately, he's on the other team, so we, <laughs> we got to get ourselves ready to play against. Well, they got I, they got a pretty good quarterback. I, I felt there, right? that Herbie Teope got a little bit better of an answer. Yeah, was, this you. was nice of him. Yeah, Chad Lewis, uh, <clears throat> who played for me, is one of the. Um, assistant athletic directors up there told me uh, the, the kid's been banged up, but don't let that fool you because he's like one of the best athletes ever come out of this school. So, um, and he can do anything and is willing to do anything. So, um, I, I knew that when, when he was coming out. Yeah. Yeah. Taysom Hill, different type of quarterback than Drew Brees, but yeah, you know, they have been winning with him. I mean, they have to make the decision, you know, is he the quarterback of the future or not? But Pete, this was my Super Bowl prediction. It was the New Orleans Saints and Chiefs was that way last year, too. Obviously, only 50% of that came true. And to be honest with you, the good part of that came true. But I value this. I don't know how they lose to the, uh, I was calling them last week, the Beagles, the Eagles. I don't know how Jalen Hurts first start. Don't see how they lost that game. They'd won right. nine in a row. That, that yeah, I, I, maybe a game plan thing. It's you know tough, really tough to to plan for a game plan. Did you see some of that game? I I had mentioned 
on the SB Nation show. I do this show Monday Football Monday where we cover a lot of different games. The Jalen Hurts playing against the Saints looked very similar to the 17 Chiefs with Al Smith and what made him successful and putting him in those similar type of situations. I think Hurts can work in that type of system, and I, I think it might have shocked the Saints defense. With the Chiefs, too, I mean, you're playing the Eagles who have nothing to play for, and then you got the Chiefs the next week. That is a little bit of a trap game for them, too, and they were trapped, and, and they ended up losing it. We'll see if they can rebound here. I think now you know what you're getting with the Chiefs, but the number one challenge is everybody knows what they're getting with Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. They know what's going to happen, and then it just happens, and that's the beauty of the Chiefs' offense. I, I felt the Drew Brees, honestly, the way I was looking at this game, had they won that, it would have been Breeze, the Taysom Hill deal. Yeah. Or, that, well, but now I definitely think it. I, I mean, if he could throw, I mean, he's got to come back. A lot of rib injuries with him, but the fact that Taysom Hill didn't get that W. One more thing here, Pete, before we go to uh, Kent Swanson right. after the break to talk about the Chiefs' offense. Uh, Mike Dana, I think, is an interesting story. It was an interesting draft pick, diamond in a rough find for Brett Fifth Feech. rounder. But not only that, but just extremely, and some people didn't have him being drafted. But extremely physical, three tackles for losses. When you watch this guy, he single-handedly manhandles people. He just does. In his limited snaps that he had in the 30% category, he made the best of it. Mike, it seems like you're really comfortable in these one-on-one matchups using your hands. Why and how has that become a place of strength for you as a pass rusher? Uh, kind of just preparation throughout the week, you know, studying my opponent and uh, understanding his tendencies and understanding how I can defeat those tendencies. So working throughout the week and, you know, just kind of trusting yourself. And kind of like I said, preparation is a big part of what happens on game day and the results. So all that goes into preparation, how we work on the D-line, how we work as a unit. It's one of those Dan Sorensen study guys where he gets in the film room and, and tries to figure out the best way to attack the opposing offensive lineman. I wonder if Eric Fisher's taking him under his wing. He is a Central Michigan guy before Michigan. I'm, I'm assuming that there's been some some chatter between the two. I, I always wonder about that, how often maybe the two sides of the football will help each other in that regard. I got to mean Because they can. I mean, because yeah. you know what they're seeing or what they're looking for? And I always felt offensive the coordinators could help defensive coordinators. Like, hey, this is where you're strong. This is where I see a weakness. But right. the egos and get involved. I think it's probably more on the coach level. Like Andy Reid takes – Steve aside, and and they talk through a plan for the week, and then they say break, and then they they go their separate ways a little bit. Good stuff. Kent Swanson. Of course, we all know Kent Swanson, arrowheadpride.com, part of that uh, KC draft guide. All Chiefs offense with Kent next. This is Arrowhead Pride Radio, presented by the Kansas Lottery, 610 Sports Radio. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G Podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Arrowhead Pride Radio, brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. Jay Binkley, 
Pete Sweeney, editor-in-chief, ArrowheadPride.com, Chris Unocero, mm. producing the operation. Now it's time to go talk. Chiefs offense, although he'll talk everything Chiefs with you. He's the lead draft and film analyst for Arrowhead Pride. Follow him on Twitter at Kent underscore Swanson and buy his KC draft guide. Why? I get a 5% kickback on each one sold. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. It is not hashtag. I there's something going it, on. It, it's, and I don't get anything. Not uh, even a hat. We'll see. What's up, Kent? Hey, checks in the mail, Bink. Thank you so much for your uh, support <laughs> yeah, of the guide. <laughs> I had to hashtag add it, even though it's not an ad. It's, 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 <laughs> I can legally say what I want because you're not paying me. <laughs> Kent, man, what what happened to your guy Mahomes? I mean, the three interceptions, I'm not worried about it, to be quite honest. Just to, just to preface this, not worried about it at all because it does happen to NFL quarterbacks. And I told Pete that Brian Flores reminds me of some of the stuff the Patriots did with confusing coverages. And, of course, Xavion Howard made the pick that probably only two other corners in this league could have made. Yeah, well, speaking of drafts, we might have to start looking for a new QB, I think, <laughs> this year. So, no, um, I, I do think there's some – there's some it's not a coincidence with Flores and him being able to, to you know, kind of, you know, get Mahomes to make a few mistakes that he normally doesn't. And I think about – you think about that 30-yard sack – if you remember, you remember in 2018 in the playoffs, it actually was early 2019 technically, but the 2018 season, late in the first half of the AFC championship game, Mahomes took a similar sack. He took a real deep sack. And I just kind of was having some flashbacks thinking this kind of, you know, something kind of reminds me a little bit of what we saw with Flores back in the day uh, in New England. You know, he made a couple of decisions that we're not used to seeing from Mahomes, but it's also kind of one of those things where 99% of the time, the things that he did to make those mistakes works. But the byproduct of, of, it, of the stuff that he does, it's so special and so rare, it popped up a couple of times this week, and it's normal. I do think that it's not a coincidence that Flores was part of that, though. And Kent, also, just so, before Pete's question here, just so you can celebrate and crack another one open, he's now beating every team in the AFC. hey pop the champagne, buddy. This is a, a year of accomplishments. We got Travis Kelsey doing everything. The voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holtis, has beaten every team, I think, right? Isn't that? Isn't what the that? hell have you done, Pete? Uh, yeah, I get up every day, which is good. Kent, I know that you've been yearning for Clyde Edwards-Alaire to get some time in the passing game. He did a little bit more this week. What did you make of that? Yeah, it was good to see him kind of get involved in a few different ways. And, you know, it wasn't just... Oh, the I'm going to check Mahomes. I'm, Mahomes is going to check down to the running back because nothing's open down the field. They actually got him involved in a couple ways mm. um, that it wasn't just it was schemed. I mean, you know, you saw early in you know in the first half they the the Dolphins were going to play man coverage and, and the Chiefs kind of run ran a little play to free him open on the sidelines and Mahomes made a great throw. Included uh, earlier got a you know gain of 16 and, and then late in the game second and 10. You know, they're trying to ice the game. They're trying to, ice, you know, run the clock out, and they stick, you know, Clyde Edwards-Alaire outside, throw him a little ball. He makes a couple guys miss in space. Good things happen when they put the ball in the hands of Clyde Edwards-Alaire out in space. You really like to see that from him, and hopefully that's something you get more moving forward because that does add an extra element to this offense that forces, you know, defenses to kind of, you know, deal with more than just, you know, the terrifying weapons of Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. Speaking of that sack, by the way, Kent, did you know that ties an NFL record for the longest sack in NFL history? Oh, God, if only it could be one more yard. Stoney I mean, Case. The- yeah, Stoney Case ties the record with him. One more than Tebow and Greasy that took a 29-yard loss. If only we could have had, you know, Max Patrick <laughs> Mahomes breaking all these records 
and and you know normalizing greatness at the position, and then in the history of the National Football League, him also have the longest sack. He's, he's <laughs> lucky he didn't get a safety. <laughs> he's I lucky mean, he didn't get a safety on the play. He was not looking at the line. I couldn't believe what I saw. I'm like, I didn't even see that, did I? I might, what's wrong? I put my glasses off, put them back on, clean them. I didn't really see that. Can't. Uh, we'll talk about that running game again, too. I love the swing passes that Clyde Edwards Alaire was getting. I mean, he can excel in those situations, just like Joe Burrow had him doing at LSU last year, getting out of the pocket for Breeze. But Le'Veon Bill. It seemed to me, and he didn't get many opportunities this week, I don't know if he can be that short third down back. Because we saw Patrick Mahomes have to throw it deep to Kelsey on third and one, fourth and one. It wasn't running the football. It was him spreading out and hitting Tyreek Hill. But the short yardage ground game from the Chiefs, is this more of a situation of the personnel to do it, or do you feel the line? Because I'm telling you, since KO's been gone, that's been a huge loss in that offensive line. I think Wisniewski can bring a little bit of that meanness as well. But is Le'Veon Bell, as we go forward, do you think he'll be that short yardage answer? Well, I mean, if you go back to the game Claude Edwards-Alaire missed against the Broncos, they tried to run Le'Veon Bell up in between the tackles, and they couldn't do it. I, I, think, there, I think the problems with this offensive line are you know, part of the reason that the Chiefs aren't really able to, to operate with kind of a traditional running offense in short yarded situations. I don't think the offensive line has been particularly good. The interior has got a lot of problems, and they're piecing things together. I mean, that, that's just kind of been the nature of the, of the Chiefs' offensive line for, you know, the entire season. There was times this season, Bink, where four uh, of the five offensive – or what, basically, let me, let me rephrase it. One offensive lineman from the Super Bowl starting offensive line was starting for a couple of games this yep. year. Right now, I believe it's only two. So, you know, this is, this is a group yeah, that... Ryder, has, Ryder has, and Fisher. Ryder, Ryder and Fish, and, and Ryder wasn't starting for a while. So, you know, like, this, this group is kind of pieced together. Sneakily, we're, we're not talking about it much because, you know, this team's, you know, lighting the world on fire offensively still. They're still you know, they're still putting up a ton of points. Mahomes and, and you know, Travis Kelsey, all the storylines. But there's, like, an underlying story is this offensive line is kind of just pieced together. And the issues become obvious in some of those short yardage situations. They were pretty evident this week. I thought I thought Mahomes, you know, navigated some really rough pressure the entire game. So I blame the offensive line. Right tackle Mike Remmers and left tackle Eric Fisher missed the first practice of the week on Wednesday with back issues. Kent, let's assume the worst case scenario and they're unable to go. What does the offensive line look like left to right on Sunday, in your opinion? Well, they're going to be looking back at the quarterback because everyone's behind them. Uh, they're going to be chasing defensive <laughs> that's line. Good that's um, good. Yeah, dude. I don't. I, I, I'm going to say. I'm going to say Brian Wixman gets called up and starts at left tackle. Blast from the past. He, uh, he's been hanging around. He's uh, been hanging around this team uh, in the practice squad. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I just. You know. You think I, Rankin I think gets that in might the, be the move there? You think Rankin gets in the mix? Maybe. Man, I don't know. I just right. ranking it just feels so weird with him because it's it's he hasn't played real football in a calendar year. I right. doubt the Chiefs have been putting pads on, and so are you going to put a guy out there that hasn't even really had you know legitimate contact in over a year in the National Football League? I I, I almost just feel like this is a redshirt year. They're holding on to him. They're protecting him. And it's kind of a breaking case of emergency for him right now. Think you think so? This, I don't know if you can. I think you got to start with me. Think, do you think the Saints will agree to play flag football on Sunday? No. Okay. No, I, I, I think their best chance of the Super Bowl is 
something to happen. <laughs> hey, so, let's be honest, uh, let's be honest for a second, though, Kent. This is the best defense I've seen, they've seen this year. They're second in total defense, fourth in points against, number two against the run, fourth against the pass. This is statistically the best defense they've seen. Yeah, and you've got all these offensive line issues that you're staring in the face. I mean, this is this is going to be fascinating for this football team. I mean, this is going to be a tough game to navigate if they're going to have to protect their tackles, if they're going to have to uh, – they might have to actually run the football a little bit more. We'll, we'll find out. But um, this is not an easy task by any stretch of the word and not being at full strength, especially in a situation where you've got the best player in the world, the guy that can win you a Super Bowl, um, even when things aren't going right. I'm trying to protect him. I don't know how they're going to navigate this. It's going to be interesting if these guys don't play. Kent, it's always good talking to you. Make sure you follow Kent on Twitter, at Kent underscore Swanson. Talk football with him. He used to play quarterback himself, so he'll diagnose things in Mahomes like you wouldn't believe. And his KC draft guide, as I always will mention, each and every show is outstanding. And Kent's uh, already got it done. Just kidding. He's... Uh, he didn't get to see everybody because hey, a lot of games farther, were canceled. It's farther along than you think, think. Well, we're it's tough. We're, it's we're tough. We're a lot of problems. Hey, hey with the opt-outs, with the opt-outs, you got to go back to 2019 film, brother. I mean, you get some work to do. Yeah. It kind of makes it easier, actually. We got all the tape. <laughs> Remember this, Kent, and, and Matt Lane has said this. Every minute you spend switching is a minute not spent shredding. So make sure you get back in the film room. <laughs> sure thing, Pete. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Kent. Take care of Kent Swanson right there. Well, it's time to flip the page. And look at the Chiefs' defense. Several several questions. Willie Gay got the start, didn't get the snaps. It was Ben Neiman. We'll talk to Craig Stout about just that, and we'll talk about uh, who we were talking about earlier, Mike Dana and his uh, progression with the Kansas City Chiefs next. This is Arrowhead Pride Radio, presented by the Kansas Lottery, 610 Sports Radio. And welcome back to Arrowhead Pride Radio, brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. Jay Binkley, Pete Sweeney here yep. with you, and Kristen Ocero producing the operation. Well, the Chiefs defense, they hung in there for a while. Dolphins started to get uh, some points towards the end, but they got the job done again. Maybe not as crisp as the week before, but the guy to break it down for us, you follow him on Twitter, at Barleyhop. His name is Craig Stout. Uh, he's the best defensive film analyst in the business, for my opinion, and I've seen quite a bit of work on the internet. He's also part of the KC Draft Guide with Kent Swanson, and he's going to have a chore just like Kent as far as all the opt-outs <laughs> looking back to last year's film. Good evening, Craig. Good evening, guys. How are we doing today? Hey, we're doing good, my friend. Let me start off with this with you. Uh, Willie Gay. <laughs> it looks like he was going to get uh, – no, I, I like talking about Willie because I actually like his potential with the Chiefs. Yeah, of course. With the, no Damian Wilson, it was like, okay, could this be the Willie Gay game? Although the Dolphins probably weren't going to run as much, and he's kind of a run stuffer with Miles Gaskin out, but it was Ben Neiman getting 91% of the snaps, even though Willie got the start, I do believe. Yeah, he did. Willie Gay was still your starting base Will linebacker. Ben Neiman came in in the Damian Wilson role, and the base played that Sam linebacker role. The Chiefs weren't in the base very often this week, but I kind of expected that Willie Gay was going to get some of those uh, Buffalo nickel buck reps, those Will linebacker reps in the nickel defense. And to start the game, that was Ben Neiman. Unfortunately, because we got to see Willie Gay rotate in. They started actually alternating series 
in that nickel with Ben Neiman and Willie Gay. And Willie Gay looked good. He looked athletic. He moved really well. He dropped into coverage well. He covered a lot of ground. Basically, all the things that we have been praising now for almost, you know, 15 weeks, saying that Willie Gay is this super athlete at linebacker, it looked very natural for him. So, if Damian Wilson has to miss another week this week, which obviously we hope he doesn't, hopefully Spagnolo got to see a little bit in those alternating series to where maybe you get to see a little bit more Willie Gay this week. It seemed like the pass rush was a little bit better this week, but there was some inexperience on the Dolphins' offensive line. How should we feel about the effort coming out of this game, Craig? Well, we should definitely feel good about it compared to if they hadn't rushed the passer particularly well. <laughs> right, right. I mean, they they hadn't done a great job in the previous several games there, so it was really good to see a get-right game. Alex Okafor didn't notch a sack, but he looked really good rushing the passer and getting some pressures. Frank Clark got back in the sack column and got some pressures. Mike Dana looked very good and got a sack. Turk Wharton got a sack. You just got to see it spread out a lot more. And then obviously Chris Jones with that safety, a huge, huge play as it ended up being in this game. So those are great things that you get to see out of the Chiefs defensive line that we haven't seen for several weeks now. Yes, it was a very inexperienced offense, offensive line and a rookie quarterback mm. and a lot of weapons missing. So there's all kinds of caveats we can put on it. But sometimes this is a rhythm thing. And when you get one, sometimes the floodgates open and things start to come back a little bit more. Obviously, a very tough test against the Saints this weekend and a very good offensive line. If they can replicate it, then we can start to get really excited. Craig, let's talk about Mike Dana for a minute. Pete, Pete was asking him earlier on a conference call today about his hand-to-hand, the one-on-one situations he's in, the use of his hands, and Brendan Daly talking about it, he's got that communication down. I'll say this about the guy. I call it another Brett Veach diamond in the rough. Here's the thing, Craig. You know as well as I do, he didn't go to the combine. Like, he was not invited to the combine. A lot of people had him as a seventh-round pick or undrafted. I don't know. Where where did you guys have him the Casey draft guy? I don't remember. But a lot of people had him not even drafted in the seventh round. Yeah, we had him in like the seventh, sixth, seventh round, a okay. very late day three guy. Yeah. Okay, but but three tackles for losses in limited play, in limited snaps, in the thirty percent range in snaps. He made the best of it. Four tackles, three tackles for loss. You could actually say he almost maximized his snap count better than any other chief. Absolutely, the case. Mike Dana is a guy that works really hard. He's ridiculously smart, and he's very technical. So you got to see on some of those longer reps where, you know, Tua is not trying to get the ball out immediately like you saw at the end of the game, obviously. But when he was having to drop back and read the field a little bit more, Mike Dana was able to basically get to his second and third and fourth pass rush moves and resetting his hands and basically giving these tackles so much trouble because he transitioned so quickly. He reads the leverage of the tackle so well. He's an incredibly smart and incredibly technical player. The reason he wasn't really invited to the combine is because Michigan bulked him way up, and so he was weighing a little bit more than he did at Central Michigan the year before, and so a lot of teams were kind of down on him because he's not a super athlete. So he's not going to be a guy that goes out there and tests through the roof but where he wins is with his technical nature 
like Pete asked him earlier today, with his hands, with his hand fighting, and just with his overall strength. And you got to see that repeatedly against the Dolphins. That's an amazing find by Brett Beach and a guy that Brendan Daly loved coming out of the draft. You see why now after 15 weeks. You're listening to the voice of Craig Stout, our defensive film analyst at ArrowheadPride.com. Early on in the week, each and every week, you can find his defensive film review this week we titled it Frank Clark, Willie Gay, in a good effort, end of game struggles. I want to ask you a question, and I call it a narrative changer because I go to the, the bad section of this article, and I just think it's an interesting point on Juan Thornhill because the Chiefs have a, a 30 to 10 lead in this game, and then Juan Thornhill ends up going for an interception, and instead, Mike Kosecki is able to score a touchdown, and then all of a sudden, you, at the end of the game, it's a one-possession game. What happened on that play? And say Thornhill makes the interception, how does that maybe change the narrative of the Chiefs are playing all close games this week? Absolutely. It, it, that play basically hit, takes the knife edge of what the narrative is right. all week long and throws it away. Juan Thornhill was not able to stay on top of that route. He, uh, The pressure that Frank Clark had brought crushing the pocket caused to, uh, to kind of fade away, and he put the ball behind Gusecki. And so Juan Thornhill was able to identify the ball in flight, and he undercut it and made a great play to the ball. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to bring it down. He went for the interception. I don't fault him at all for right. that. If he knocks it down, obviously they live to play another day. But if he intercepts that ball, now all of a sudden the Chiefs are up 20. And even if the rest of the drives go out the way that they did, the Dolphins having a six-minute drive after that, giving the ball back to Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs with four minutes left, the Chiefs would be up 13. Now all of a sudden the Chiefs are running out the clock. Miami's not using timeouts anymore because the game is essentially over. It's out of reach for them. And so all of a sudden – Chiefs go down and kick a field goal. It's a 16-point victory for this team now. And, I mean, we're not talking about how the Chiefs can't close out games. We're talking about how the Chiefs defense stepped up, got an interception in the red zone, and, you know, the Chiefs offense was able to kind of kill the game off. It just completely changes the narrative on that one singular play that, you know, nobody can blame Juan for going for. Just poor execution at the catch point prevented that from being, you know, basically a complete narrative changer. Craig, I know we're up against the time, but I do want to ask you one quick question because I think you'd have a good answer to this. What positionally with Taysom Hill and Drew Brees, how different are they defending when you look at this offense and what they're being able to do? Because this is 13th best offense in the NFL. They haven't, you know, stayed as consistent. Differences between Taysom and Drew. If you're on defense, who would you rather play against? I would much rather play against Taysom. And it, it, Taysom has arguably a bigger arm than Drew right now, but Taysom struggles to read some defenses. He gets locked on to his initial read a little more often, and that's allowed defensive coordinators to kind of take advantage of some stuff, jump some routes, bring some pressure to him. You know, They can take away that initial read. They can get home. He's taken a lot of sacks. He's taken almost as many sacks as Drew Brees has this entire season in his last handful of starts here. So this is a situation well, you want to play that guy that's just going to, you know, struggle to read the defense a little bit more. Obviously, Drew Brees is going to come out if the Chiefs can't, you know, protect the middle of the field. Like you saw at the end of the game against the Dolphins there, Drew Brees is the guy, type of guy that's going to throw short, 
and pick up these first downs and just basically keep the clock moving and move the ball down the field. I'd much rather say, take the guy that's going to be a little bit wary with some of the stuff that Spagnuolo is going to throw at him. Craig Stout, you're the best, man. Follow him on Twitter, at Barley Hop. Craig Stout, part of that KC Draft Guide as well, and fantastic work over at ArrowheadPride.com as their defensive film analyst. Thank you, Craig. Thanks, fellas. All right, it's that time that we all love. Ask Pete. 913-576-7610. Or you can that. ask me whatever you want. No, no, no. It depends. Nobody wants you. Yeah. Herbie got a better answer than you did today from Andy Reid. That was funny. It almost reminded me of the Ogba situation. Mm. I would ask him a question and get a great answer. I mean, like right. a answer. You would ask him something, he would look bored and say they're D questions. I don't. Yeah. I mean, now he's just a Florida man to me. So I don't. You, you got Ogba today. I, I don't know. You got Ogba to today. Call by it Herbie. Ogba. Yeah. You got Ogba. Anyway, nine one three five seven six seven six ten is the text line. Let's ask Pete questions next. This is Arrowhead Pride Radio, presented by the Kansas Lottery, 610 Sports Radio. Final segment, Arrowhead Pride Radio, brought to you by the Kansas Lottery, Jay Binkley and Pete Sweeney. 913-576-7610. We call this Ask Pete. Well, we don't really call it that, but I'm doing that tonight because I started Pete's questions. Uh, From the 816... Why does Ben Neiman keep getting opportunities? It appears the NFL <laughs> is too big Everyone for has him, the same question. And he's a special team guy. If he ends up covering Kamara, I will lose my mind. Sometimes he does flash, though. And he, he is a hitter, and he is around the ball. Does he get beat at times? Absolutely. Would he be a guy that you'd have as a prototypical starter? Probably not, Pete, but this question's for you. Yeah, I... I think they're just slowly bringing Willie Gay around to where they want him. And right now, Ben Neiman has been in the system for two years and knows where to go and doesn't need the constant help of Anthony Hitchens when he's checked in the game. And you know, the assignment sound is taken above just the pure athleticism because if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, it could be a chunk play at any time. And a lot of it, I, I think, is things we can't see and the work that Neiman has put in to, to learn the defense. Now, they I, like him. I think as soon as Willie Gay is caught up, which might not be till next year, he'll be on the field for 100% of the time. There's no way you could take him off, but I just don't think he's ready as a rookie who missed a lot of time at the end of his college career, who didn't have an offseason, who's in there and, again, is being eased in. We're seeing that in front of us, and it's taking him a little longer. From the 954, which is South Florida, Hey, Pete, I'm curious about Pete. So am I. So am I, 954. What do you miss most about living in New York? Also, have you seen a show on Broadway? And what did you see, Neil and Lone Jack? I think the obvious answer is my family. And I have seen a Broadway show. uh, Phantom of the Opera was the the last one that I, I, I had seen. That's enough of this, Pete. From the 816, will Bell get more touches than he had last week? Well, they have more of a two-man attack. I think they're trying to get to a two-man attack. I really do. It has seemed like when Bell first joined the Chiefs, the word I kind of got was that they wanted this to be a one-two punch type of deal, and it just hasn't been that. It's like one guy's playing well, the other guy's playing okay or not good. Maybe both are okay. It really hasn't been like what you saw on Monday night. This is when, when they first signed Bell. I said it's going to be like Chubb and Hunt, like Chubb and Hunt. I think that is the ideal thing. 
but they have been able to get in that one-two punch rhythm. So I, I think ideally they want it to be 50-50-ish, 55-45-ish, that type of a thing, but it just hasn't worked out yet. From the 316, Bink was 100% right on Mahomes through the draft process. Pete, and he told you many times. Are you going to believe Bink when he told you the Raiders were going <laughs> to fade and falter down the stretch? Like he told you on this very show. I don't I don't see that one on the list here. It's from the 316 is right I, there. I do remember Refresh. I do remember at the time of the draft with the Mahomes thing, and I, I had to kind of give you a little a back pat and said, it's going to be okay, Bink. I understand the Bears got your guy Trubisky, but I think this Mahomes guy is okay. From the 401, did you see Drew Locke's four touchdown passes last week, Pete? <laughs> I did not. I did not. Look, I, I think Drew Locke needs a reset. I think there's a chance for him in Denver. This was not his year as far as injuries and the injuries around him. Let's see what he does next year if the entire Broncos team can stay healthy. So Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, it was pretty good. I mean, I, I think I would have chosen something else. It wasn't really up to me. My my parents decided that that we'd go to that one. Why is there football musicals? There shouldn't be. Why is there not a Rudy musical? I feel like Rudy would be the perfect perfect movie for a musical. Favorite football movie from the 910. <laughs> Little Giants, man. Come on, I grew up with that movie. Not mine. What's yours? Any given Sunday. Yeah. Talking Remember the Willie. Titans is an easy Talking one, Willie too. Beeman. There are certain movies, and and this is beyond football, but movies that come on your television where you're like flipping through the channels and you stop, and you're like Shawshank Redemption is one of them. Remember the Titans is one of those movies where you're- That's you, a great you movie. It, you, Remember the Titans is a great movie. You see it on and you're like, all right, I'm going to watch this for a little bit. Friday Night Lights is a great movie. It was a fun sitcom to watch, but it's not as good as the movie. But the book is- like better the than inches are everywhere around us. Yeah. You like that? West Texas, man. Pacino. A little Pacino for you. So Pacino. A lot of people say that I look like Pacino. And a lot of people means nobody. Okay. Except for that person you look at in the mirror every single day, Pete. Now it happened again this morning. Looked at the mirror. Got more handsome again. I see you on TV every all the day. time. You do? Was it uh, Pete Gillum once said, you're on TV more than leave it to Beaver. <laughs> I don't know about that. I like this question. Have you had a McRib yet? No, but I need to get to McDonald's. I actually do like the McRib. I, they're not bad, but I live in Kansas City, and it's a lot of choices. <laughs> Will Anthony Sherman get another opportunity to catch a pass? What do you I, think Yes, about I that? think so. I think so. I think the sausage was mad at himself. You know Andy Reid loves some sausage. Uh, we gonna, what, what do we call us a trick play this week? Because we saw the slot machine right in sure. Vegas. We saw the Black Pearl in Tampa. It's got to be something New Orleans, maybe Mardi Gras right. <laughs> Gumbo, gumbo left. Gumbo or jambalaya. If you're going to run gumbo left and Tyron Matthew oh. isn't turned into a two-way player for that play, you're doing it wrong. It's, that's true. Put him in as a receiver. Real quick, while your time, am I correct? The Chiefs lose to an NFC team and still hold a one seed. You are absolutely correct. Got to beat the Chargers. Win two, beat the Chargers. First seed, and I got a week off, Banks, so we'll have to go to a brewery or something. Well, the Chiefs could lose. Even if Pittsburgh wins, doesn't matter. They're still your number one seed. Thanks to Kent Swanson, offensive film analyst, 4-Arrowheadpride.com, and uh, Craig Stout, defensive film analyst, arrowheadpride.com. Thanks to Chris Sunocero, producing the operation. Thanks to the editor-in-chief, Pete Sweeney himself. Good night, everybody. Be good night next.